Hi writers, this is Jim Thayer. I'm the author of 14 novels published by Putnam, Crown, and others. I taught novel writing at the University of Washington Extension School for many years, and I'm the author of The Essential Guide to Writing a Novel. The second edition is out now. This is the ninth episode on our series of podcasts on how to write a novel. There's an old saying in publishing that a strong story weekly told will always be purchased by a publisher over a weak story strongly told. But why shouldn't we as writers have it both ways, a strong story and strong writing? Let's talk today about the most important technique for sentence-by-sentence vivid writing, a technique that brings the reader right into the story. It's the difference between showing and telling. How important is this topic? If we know how to show, we may become successful writers. If we don't, if we routinely tell rather than show, we probably won't. So let's talk about showing and telling. What is the difference between these two sentences? His arm itched. The second sentence is, he scratched his arm. The difference is profound, and knowing it will instantly make us a better writer. His arm itched tells, while he scratched his arm shows. The first sentence isn't strong writing, while the second sentence is stronger. Just as drag and lift are terms of art for pilots, show and tell are terms of art for writers. These words mean specific things, specific technique, and even though they are one-syllable words and easy to comprehend in other contexts, the difference between showing and telling is hard to grasp for many writers. Novelist Robert Sawyer says, quote, every writing student has heard the rule that you should show, not tell. But this principle seems to be among the hardest for beginners to master. That's Robert Sawyer. Knowing the difference between showing and telling is the single most important skill for powerful sentence-by-sentence -sentence writing. We're going to talk about what showing and telling mean, and we'll illustrate how to consistently show rather than tell. After we're finished, there'll be a lot less itching and more scratching, and our writing will be more vivid and engaging. So what's the difference? The difference between showing and telling can be set out in four words. Showing reveals. Telling explains. When showing, the writer presents evidence to the reader. The writer sets out the facts and lets the reader decide. The reader draws her own conclusion, which is more involving for the reader than when the writer simply tells her what to think. This is how a trial in front of a jury is run. When presenting evidence to the jury during examination and cross-examination, a lawyer generally cannot comment on how the jury should interpret the evidence. The lawyer offers proofs, and the jury is largely left to, to, to draw its own conclusions from the evidence.
Robert Sawyer says showing, quote, forces the reader to become involved in the story, deducing facts for himself or herself rather than just taking information in passively. Here is the writer's conclusion, which is telling. She could run fast. Here is evidence presented to the reader, which is showing. She raced across the playfield, leaving all the other children far behind. Here's the writer's conclusion, which is telling. Mike was tired. Here is evidence for the reader, which is showing. Mike yawned. The writer is telling the reader about a character in this sentence. She was kind. The writer presents evidence to the reader with this sentence of showing. She carefully adjusted the old man's apron so the soup wouldn't drip onto his new shirt. Janet Ivanovich says that showing allows the reader to discover. Quote, instead of stating a situation flat out, you want to let the reader discover what you're trying to say by watching a character in action and by listening to his dialogue. Showing brings your characters to life. That's Janet Ivanovich. A critical principle of mathematics, the multiplication table, is hard to memorize. A critical principle of good writing is easier. Showing reveals and telling explains. Telling deadens images while showing enlivens them. Writing is a craft. Laypeople, non-writers, might not know why sentences filled with telling sit there flat on the page, but they'll sense it. The scene won't grab them. Here is a little sketch where all four sentences are telling rather than showing. The forest made scary sounds, and it was cold. Julie's shirt was too thin, and she should have worn a hat. She'd hurt her leg and was having trouble walking. Her home seemed far away. It's inert, isn't it? It sounds like a police report. The suspect proceeded in a westerly direction. Here is the same information, but it is shown rather than told. The wind clicked the aspen trunks together and whistled through the branches, and a coyote yipped and howled. Julie could see her breath, and the goosebumps covered her arms. She plucked at her cotton t-shirt. As she bent into the wind, rainwater dripped from her hair down her cheeks. She could see her porch light across the valley blinking through the trees. She limped toward it, grimacing with each step. In this second version, the show version, the reader has learned all the information, the scary sounds, the, the cold, the inadequate clothing, her lack of a hat, her difficulty walking, and that her home is still in the distance. But the second version is alive because the reader has been given something to see and hear. The reader has been given evidence rather than reading a report. Here's another example where every sentence is telling. Listen to how inert this is. Ellen and her son Danny didn't get along, and the family tension gave her headaches almost every day. He never cleaned his room and didn't do his homework. He'd begun drinking beer and didn't seem to mind that his mother knew about it. He'd once been a star student, and now he rarely came home before two in the morning. Well, that uh, this situation, this little 
part scene should be gripping, but it isn't. It's flat because every piece of information there is told rather than shown. Here is the same information shown, and listen to how much better and, and more involving this is. Ellen pushed open Danny's door and had to step over a pile of shirts and pants. Gum wrappers and a Doritos bag were on the floor near his desk. His school books were stacked on his desk. Ellen drew her finger along the geology text on top, and she brought away dust. Two beer bottles were in the wastebasket near his desk. Above the desk was, framed, was a framed photo of Danny receiving the Principal's Award for Mathematics Scholarship two years ago. She punched in Danny's number on her cell phone, but he didn't answer. She left the room and opened the medicine cabinet in the bathroom. Only six or seven aspirins remained in the bottle. She shook out two into her hand, swallowed them dry, and pressed her hand against her temple, grimacing. In this version, evidence has been presented to the reader. The family friction, the messy room, the lack of studying, staying out late, Ellen's headaches. But the writer hasn't told the reader what to think. The writer has presented the evidence. The reader will draw her own conclusion from the evidence. Let's do one more paragraph where every sentence is telling. And listen to how inert it is. Melanie's Adopt-A-Dog store was popular with the neighborhood children who would walk across the street from school to visit during their lunch hours. The kids would sometimes sneak a piece of sandwich or a potato chip to a dog Melanie pretended not to notice. This is a sweet little scenario, but it has the taste of a saltine cracker without the salt. It just lays there, it lies there flat. Here's a version that reveals, that is to say shows, how things are. Instead of tells, it shows. Bells jingled on the door, and two girls walked into Melanie's Adopt-A-Dog store. One of them glanced over her shoulder at their brick and ivy grade school across the street. Look at this little Pekingese. The taller of the girls knelt by the cage. I told Mom about her, and she said maybe. The Pekingese, golden white fur with pop eyes and a tongue hanging out, wagged its feathery tail so hard the dog vibrated. Hi, girls, Melanie called from the counter where she was brushing a schnauzer. Nice to see you again. The bell rang again, and two ten-year-old boys entered the shop and waved at Melanie. Cages were three high on both sides of the store, and about half of them contained dogs. The two boys stopped in front of a German shepherd's cage. The tall girl glanced at Melanie, then pulled a piece of bacon from her jacket pocket and held it low. She whispered to her friend, I took this bacon from my dad's plate this morning. She slipped it into the cage and the Pekingese gulped it down and then spun in, in a tail-chasing circle. Melanie smiled and said to the schnauzer in a low voice, Maybe you should wag your tail harder at those two girls. This version gives the reader all the information of the tell version, but it's lively with images, dialogues, and cute dogs. It shows the information rather than tells, and it's so much better. Why is showing so much more compelling than telling? Showing grips the reader in ways telling often can't. How? How is that? Here are a couple reasons 
first, we've all sat through unbearable high school and college lectures. Quote, and the economic policies of the Triple Entente led to the second conference of the Allied Economic Alliance on December 5, when the Prime Minister traveled to Lichtenberg to meet the President to outline his 15-point proposal regarding commodity tariffs, end quote. Remember those? Why is it always hot and stuffy in the classroom when we have to listen to lectures about commodity tariffs? Telling is a lecture as opposed to showing. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's a short lecture. This is a lecture. Stacy was warm. It's still a lecture. When telling, the writer is making a pronouncement. Readers are being told what to believe by the writer, rather than the reader discovering for himself whether Stacy is warm. Stacy fanned herself with her hand. That's showing. Readers are less persuaded by a lecture than they are if they are allowed to discover things for themselves. The meat was rotten is a lecture. It's telling, where the writer has told the reader what to believe. He grimaced and spit out the meat. Let's the reader discover the meat is rotten. Telling offers the writer's conclusions. Adams was ill. Let the reader discover it for him herself. Adams coughed raggedly, grabbed the anti-emetic bottle from the dresser, and sank onto the bed. A second reason showing is more vivid for the reader is that fiction is image-driven, and showing usually creates an image of movement for the reader. Most of the time, telling doesn't create a precise image. The dog was warm isn't an image the reader can readily conjure. It's telling the dog was warm. It's a vague impression. Bartlett removed his hat and wiped sweat from his forehead, creates a picture in the reader's mind about the fellow named Bartlett. A third reason showing is better than telling is that showing, is, which includes dialogue, is usually action. Action is usually the most interesting aspect of fiction for the reader, and all novels should, f should feature a significant amount of action. We'll talk about this in a later podcast. Even novels that are character studies need action, not necessarily flamethrowers and hurricanes, but action nevertheless. Interior monologue, which is the character thinking, Backstory, which is often a, a character's history, setting descriptions or explanation of this or that cannot carry a novel. Action is required. Showing is most often action, whereas telling is usually not. And the last reason that showing is better than telling. Telling invites the reader to work. The writer may think he's creating an image with Wilson was winded. But this phrase is telling, and it's a statement of condition. No clear image comes with it. The reader won't create the image of Wilson for herself. Wilson gasped for breath and bent over his hands on his knees, presents the image to the reader, and doesn't require the reader to create the image for herself. So telling asks the reader to do the writer's job, creating an image, and the reader usually won't do so. Reading for pleasure should be a lazy time. Who wants to work? 
not readers. So the writer must do the work by showing. New writers and unskilled writers often tell rather than show. Why? Because many new writers simply don't know the difference. Writing is a craft, much like dentistry. Specialized techniques exist. These new writers are aware that they don't know the dental craft. They've endured enough visits to the dentist to know, but are unaware they don't know the writing craft. Another reason writers sometimes tell rather than show, telling is easier than showing. The novelist David Morell, and he is a wonderful writer, says, quote, It requires painstaking plotting in order to establish scenes in which general information about a character is dramatized in, spe in specific terms, end quote. That's David Morell. To show the characters must be in a certain position, which requires the writer to plan ahead. It's easier to tell because the writer need only begin the lecture anytime, anywhere. So showing is more work for the writer than telling. But that work is part of our job. Let's do the work. And the final reason we tell instead of show, we, or we might, when we create a story's plot in our minds and, and then work out the plot points in an outline, it's usually in tell form often a bullet point list of characters and events. That's our outline, our thinking about the scene. As we begin the actual writing of our story, though, sometimes we transfer our developmental thoughts straight to our story without changing it to showing. In our minds, our protagonist is generous, and so Carrie was generous appears in our outline as we build our plot. <laughs> That's bad writing. And then, Carrie was generous, might appear in our story, a phrase that reads as if it's been anesthetized. Showing rather than telling takes additional thought. Carrie dropped a $10 bill into the Salvation Army pot. Isn't that better? The extra pop is worth the writer's work. Is there a magic key that'll show us how to show rather than tell? Yes, there is. Is there a way to prompt ourselves to show rather than tell? Are there magic words that'll help? Here they are. Is there evidence? As we create an image in our minds, ask ourselves, is there evidence? The question will prod us to show rather than tell. Let's say we've written, Jeremy was tense, which is telling. Ask, is there evidence? we'll end up with Jeremy's fingers were locked around the armrest. If we want to relay that Michael is tired, we can, we can tell Michael was tired, or we can ask, is there evidence? Michael sank into the sofa and closed his eyes. We want to get across that Joan couldn't see very well. Instead of saying Joan couldn't see very well, which is telling, is there evidence? Joan squinted at the book, bringing it closer, which is showing. Let's say we want to relay to the reader that Robertson was ill. Robertson was ill is telling. Is there evidence? Robertson grabbed the railing and bent over, coughing. He tried to push himself upright, but he wheezed, closed his eyes, and sank over the rail again. His face and neck were pallid, and his hands trembled. That's showing. 
let's say we want to let the reader know that Janice is clumsy. Janice is clumsy. If we type that, it's inert. That's telling. It's a lecture about Janice. Is there evidence that Janice is clumsy? Rod handed Janice the beaker, but it slipped through her fingers and shattered on the floor. As she bent to sweep up the glass shards, her hand knocked over the Bunsen burner. Please allow me a moment of self-promotion. My new novel, Fagin and Miss Havisham, is now available at Amazon. It's there for e-readers such as the Kindle, and soon it'll be in the print version and an audio version. The publisher is Creative Texts, an independent publisher and a good one. The novel is the story of famous Charles Dickens characters taking place when they were younger than in his novels. So we meet the pickpocket Fagin and the thumper Bill Sykes when, from Oliver Twist when they were younger, and the crazy Miss Havisham and the unstoppable lawyer Jaggers from Great Expectations when they were younger, and Police Inspector Bucket from Bleak House, the evil Murdstone from David Copperfield, and many others. I loved Charles Dickens' novels when I was young, and in Fagin and Miss Havisham, I mixed them all together earlier in their lives to see what happens. Please consider getting a copy of my new novel. You'll see the techniques we talk about in these episodes in action, at least the best I can do with them, and it'd be much appreciated. Well, here's my cat, Jack. He always shows up when whatever I'm doing isn't centered around him. My favorite definition of a cat is an animal on the wrong side of the door. It's not lunchtime for 15 minutes, but he's, he tries to ratchet the clock 15 minutes every hour. If I listened to him, he'd be fed eight times a day. I'm putting him on the floor. That won't last. Allison looked sexy and exotic is telling. It's flat. Is there evidence? Allison's blouse was cut low, and her black hair fell in ringlets to her shoulders. A lapis and silver snake bracelet was wrapped around her wrist. Her lips were red, and she pursed them at Kevin. Her scent, lilacs, drifted in front of her. Isn't that so much better? We don't, have to, we don't have to be told Allison looks sexy and exotic. We've presented evidence, and she certainly is, with her low-cut blouse and her snake bracelet and her red lips that she purses at Kevin's. That's, that's good writing. We can tell about the dog. Prince seldom obeyed commands. Or we can ask, is there evidence? Jenny held the door open and called, Prince, come. The dog looked at her and then took off down the street. Allison was embarrassed is telling. It's flat. Is there evidence she's embarrassed? Listen to this showing. Allison's cheeks flamed red and she turned away. Oh, that's so much better. It gives its action and it gives the reader something to watch. It gives the reader evidence. And the evidence, uh, the reader can make her own conclusions. Allison's cheeks flamed red and she turns away means she's embarrassed. Chet wasn't witty is telling. Is there evidence? Quote, how they hanging, Chet? 
Larry asked, quote, uh, what? <laughs> End quote. Here's a famous bit of telling, the opening sentence of the novel Paul Clifford by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. You've heard it before. It was a dark and stormy night. Is there evidence of a dark and stormy night? He could have written, the lieutenant closed his collar, but the wind cut into him, and he shivered. The moon had just uh, had yet to rise, and he held out his hand to ward off branches. He stumbled over a root. That's evidence. Uh, Edward Bulwer-Lytton is, is a wonderful storyteller. That one sentence is famous. Uh, you've seen it in Snoopy cartoons, and you'll hear it again. It was a dark and stormy night. Is there evidence? Asked again and again, these three words will prompt us to consistently show rather than tell. Let's listen to some of the masters on how they show rather than tell. And all, uh, our goal is to automatically show rather than tell, to show by instinct. One of our best ways to learn is to read the masters. Here are some examples of how a weak writer would tell, followed by how a strong writer would show the same thing. In each of these, notice how the show version is filled with life while the tell version is pablum. Here's the tell version. Charlie Croker was wealthy and vain. That's, uh, but here's how Tom Wolfe in A Man in Full tells us how, uh, shows us how Charlie Croker is wealthy and vain. Charlie Croker astride his favorite Tennessee walking horse pulled his shoulders back to make sure he was erect in the saddle and took a deep breath. That's Tom Wolfe showing us a lot about Charlie Croker. Here's telling. It was a hot day. <laughs> That's bad writing. Here's how T.H. White in The Once and Future King shows us it's a hot day. The dogs moved about with their tongues hanging out or lay panting in bits of shade, while the farm horses sweated through their coats and flicked their tails and tried to kick the horseflies off their bellies with their great hind hoofs. Isn't that wonderful? Here's Tell. The street is busy and loud. Well, that's flat. But here is William Gibson in Pattern Recognition offering evidence the street is busy and loud. A red double-decker grinds past. Doesn't that tell you a lot? It sh rather, it shows you a lot. Here is how a lesser writer than John Steinbeck would tell. Little was happening, and the man didn't have much of anything to do. <laughs> but here's Steinbeck in the Grapes of Wrath. Outside, the seated man stood up and looked over the cowl of the truck and watched the restaurant for a moment. Then he settled back on the running board, pulled a sack of tobacco and a book of papers from his side pocket. He rolled his cigarette slowly and perfectly, studied it, smoothed it. At last he lighted it and pushed the burning match into the dust at his feet. That's just wonderful, showing that this man doesn't have much to do. Let's do one more. I'm going to unwrite. F. Scott Fitzgerald in The Great Gatsby. Here is how a bad writer would write it. Tom often was too busy to pay attention to his wife, and as a result, she, she sometimes flirted with other men. Now here is how 
F. Scott Fitzgerald does it in The Great Gatsby. He's showing the same thing. The butler came back and murmured something close to Tom's ear, whereupon Tom frowned, pushed back his chair, and without a word went inside. As if his absence quickened something within her, Daisy leaned forward again, her voice glowing and singing, I love to see you at my table, Nick. You remind me of a, of a rose, an absolute rose, doesn't he? That's F. Scott Fitzgerald showing us how to write. We have come to the end of this podcast. We're going to continue uh, more on showing and telling in the next podcast. It's so important, and we need to get it right. I tell myself that all the time, and I work at it. Until then, this is Jim Thayer. Keep tapping those keys.